On this episode, I'm going to share one of my top mental tips that few people ever use in their fitness journey, but should. That's coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hi, everyone. What is up? I hope you've had an excellent week filled with cool fitness moments. Why not take a quick moment and think about what, where, and when you're going to plan some you time to do something you really enjoy without any expectations other than to enjoy moving this week. On my end, it was a very crazy week to put it mildly. On the fitness side of things, this week was dog heavy. I went on a couple of fun runs with my uh, two dogs, Bogey and Tosca, on the snowpack trails of Ottawa's Greenbelt and several meandering meditative walks. And I won't lie, I'm starting to dream of the spring melt, but we keep getting hit with snow here in Ottawa, so I hope it's just around the corner. Right now, it doesn't really look like that. I'm just looking forward to getting on the trails without having to navigate some of those treacherous potholes on the single track. Running with the pack always puts me in a good mood. And aside from the times when they've been porcupined, on the trails, the joy of being with Bogey and Tosca as they rip around and beat each other up on the trails and go exploring always makes life a little better. Speaking of packs, I got to co-lead a November Project workout this week at the Parliament Buildings here in Ottawa. And what I love about November Project is we never take ourselves too seriously. So the workout we designed was animal-themed, and uh, it's always uplifting. So last week's episode with Elisa Kurilowicz was very cool. One thing she didn't say in her story, though, was how she missed qualifying for the Olympics in Moguls by one place. She missed it by a tenth or a couple tenths of a point, which is the equivalent of an eyelash, a horse whisker. The way she has processed that event has been nothing short of fascinating. And if you haven't listened to it, go back to the last episode and check it out. You won't regret it. Alisa was my guest of honor for the official launch party for my book, Feel Like It, last weekend. Her story is actually in the chapter, Lessons from the Loyal. It was great to see her there and about 60 to 70 others over the course of the afternoon. It was just remarkable because we had the biggest snowfall on that date, so March 10th, in Ottawa's history. The streets were sloppy, and it was really heartwarming for my family and I to see such a terrific turnout. A dozen or so even joined for the pre-launch 5K run, which was really sloppy and slushy. So a pretty cool weekend and a great way to push off the book in an official way. So it's not every day that I get to launch a book and it's a day I won't forget, especially when my three-year-old decided to do laps around me as I gave my, my official book talk. So it was just a lot of fun. And thanks to you out there for all the nice comments about the day. It was just pretty cool. And as a shameless plug, Feel Like It is available online nearly everywhere. You can get it through my website at kellydell.com, Amazon. It's on Kindle. There's eBooks. It's just everywhere right now. It's also been cool that it was hotlisted on Amazon for the health and fitness category. So a lot of fun things going on with that. Okay, so about today, the topic today really does piggyback on Elisa Kurlowitz's story in some respects. So I want to discuss something from my book that is somewhat understated when I present it, but 
as I was listening to Lisa's story, it really reminded me how important this skill is and how underdeveloped this skill is for managing our fitness journey. And in the book, it's embedded in the subsection on self-compassion. And maybe it's because I also watched this terrific Netflix series this past week on the most memorable losses in sports history. And so the idea of dealing with obstacles was really on my mind. And Elisa's story really peeled back the layers on dealing with such setbacks. So I felt really compelled to introduce this skill, the skill that I teach that few people even consider. So I'm going to start this episode with a story from my youth. I definitely wasn't as prolific of an athlete as Elisa, not even close, but it's hard to argue that I wasn't as passionate about my sport. And when it came to baseball, I gave every fiber of my being between the age of, I don't know, seven or eight to about 23. I was never talented enough to be pro or anything like that, but I had goals like everyone does. And I had dreams as well. And one of them was to make the provincial team is pretty modest goal when I was about 17 years old. I was a pretty good pitcher. I was a pretty good shortstop. One of the better ones for my age and for my region of the province. Like most kids do eventually, my goals for the sport I love to play made me get serious about certain achievements. I really wanted to reach these goals and the provincial team was definitely one of them. After putting in a long winter of off-season training, even quitting the high school basketball team for a season to do so, I absolutely bombed the spring tryout. I could see other players outperform me right before my eyes as if it was a slow motion car wreck. And when my name was on the cut list, meaning that I did not reach one of my goals, I stewed about it. I imploded on the inside. It was the first time I'd ever been cut basically for anything, never mind in baseball which was, again, my sport, the thing that I had the most passion for. I remember going over and over what went wrong, relentlessly for weeks, months. Now, this certainly wasn't the Olympics, that's for sure. Not, it, it's not like Elisa's story, but you couldn't convince me as a 17-year-old that it wasn't gutting. And so this is the segue into today's topic. How much time do you, or do we as a society even, prepare for losing? How much thought do you put into preparing for the possibility that things might not turn out like you planned? How much do you prepare yourself emotionally for the ups and downs? We spend a lot of time talking about realizing our potential and being the best and being our best. But in sport, it's taboo to discuss what if you lose. As if this somehow jinxes things. It's not something you should think about. But if any of you have played sports, any of you have been competitive with your fitness in some fashion, you've likely seen how devastated people can be when they encounter a loss. They fall short of a goal, especially if it's a big one. Well, when I was working mostly in high-performance sport, I ended up talking with a lot of wounded athletes. Not physically wounded, but emotionally, facing emotional setbacks. I saw choke jobs. I saw tears. I saw incredulity. I've seen the obliteration of an identity right before my eyes. Now, that might sound a little extreme, but when you've committed your whole life to a sport, failure can feel catastrophic. 
So what does this have to do with fitness and your fitness journey? Well, that's the ultimate question, isn't it? So I'm going to argue a lot because if there's anything we know about a fitness journey, there's obstacles and disappointment abound. And we are very, very hard on ourselves when we fall short of the standards we set for ourselves. So if we take a hiatus, we break out of our routine for a little while because something in your life takes over. We are conditioned in today's fitness culture to feel guilty about that. Okay, so enough with the preamble. What am I getting at? This is my main point this week. You can't expect to react positively to a setback if you don't prepare positively for setbacks. Take a moment and think about the last time you really beat yourself up over something, even beyond your health and fitness. Maybe you let down a friend. Maybe you broke something. Maybe you broke something that wasn't yours. Maybe you paid good money for a fitness program and didn't really do it. Maybe you bought something like a treadmill or an elliptical and haven't really used it. And maybe you're the type of person who moves on easily and can forgive themselves for screwing up. But a lot of people find it hard. A lot of people find it hard when they set a goal for something, become emotionally invested in it, but they fall short. And who wouldn't, right? Now, based on all of that, you might think that the skill this week is self-forgiveness. And you're sort of half right. But I'm going to go one step further. It is made much easier, that is self-forgiveness, if you take the time to do this. And this is the skill. This is the tip. Forgive yourself in advance for slipping up. Don't wait until it happens. Don't wait until you hit that emotional bottom. You can't always predict when you're going to make a mistake. But it's fair to say you can when it comes to being active. You know your past history. You know when things start to fray. So this exercise is really important. Forgive yourself in advance for slipping up. Because in fitness, the desired behavior is pretty clear. To keep showing up and doing physical activity that fits you and your life. But things don't always go to plan even when you're feeling motivated. Logistics come into play. There's unexpected obstacles like getting sick or getting injured. And it's at these times when we can be grossly unfair to ourselves, feeling guilty about not moving as much. And there's just this lack of self-compassion, even when it's something that lies beyond our control. So take a moment sometime today and say something like this to yourself. It will be okay if I miss a day. It will be okay if I miss a week, even a month. It's okay if I don't achieve my goal on schedule. It's okay if I plateau. It's okay if some days I don't feel like showing up. It happens. But when these things happen, I'll bounce back. When you offer yourself this advanced comfort, notice how different you feel. By giving yourself the permission to chill out when something doesn't go quite right. Notice the little boost of relaxation you have about all of it. Notice the effects it has on your body and your mind. And remember, I'm saying all this because I keep the long game in mind. You know, it's not something that today's fitness culture really talks a lot about. And this is really why 
I decided to even do this podcast in the first place. I think fitness culture is missing a huge important part of the conversation, longevity. And you're not a robot. Your best intentions will not always be fulfilled. It becomes a lot harder to jump back on the horse when that horse is moving after a slip up. But that's what's happening when you beat yourself up. That horse feels like running away. Is that a good metaphor? I don't know. Today's message is Don't wait till you hit an obstacle before forgiving yourself. Forgive yourself in advance. And that leads me to the question of the week. What is the most common misstep? The one that you can almost predict is likely to come up. What common misstep can you forgive yourself in advance for right now? With that, thanks for joining me again. Please take a moment and rate and review the show, drop a line in the comments, and you can always follow the show on Instagram at Happily Ever Active Show or myself personally at kelly.dell, D-O-E-L-L. And as usual, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.